Welcome back, everybody, to the Omega Metroid Podcast. It is episode 147 here. We are recording on January 9th. I don't usually say the date we're recording. I hope we re- we put this episode out soon. Certainly we will. We're back in the new year for our second episode in 2023. 147 episodes. That's pretty crazy. And I'm back here, your boy Dak, hosting an episode of the show with two other awesome metroid fans here it's not all it's not often that we get three people on the show and it's not that often that we have this particular combination because it is the first time that we've had this particular combination before i lead into that i'm going to say hello to my good friend doom i believe it's the first time we've been chatting on the show in 2023 doom how you doing yeah welcome back dak i mean it's been a while <laughs> i'm gonna yeah i want to say the last episode we did was honoring 20 years of metroid fusion or was I even on that? Uh, you... It might have been. It might have even been the last mapping Metroid episode. No, I mean, I want to say I wasn't on an episode in December, so I think that's true. Was I? I don't know. It's been a while. Either way, um, well, I mean, you know, it's an, a Metroid Prime Hunters episode. Spoilers. So I had to be here. Um, I don't know where Andy is to be honest, and I figured, you know what? I'll take the reins this time. It's my show, and it's your show, and it's also our third member's show here for tonight. We have the one and only, the resident Metroid Prime Hunters expert in our Discord server, possibly in the community. When I think of Metroid Prime Hunters, I think of this guy. When I say that I'm a fan of Metroid Prime Hunters, that is false in comparison relatively to this guy. You might know him as Spire Fan. Spire, how you doing tonight, man? Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, it's, it's good to be on here. Good to talk about Metroid. I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, a little quick bit about me. Yeah, I've been using Spire Fan since early 2006, right when I got on Wi-Fi and you chose a tag. I was like, all right, well, you can have a tag different from your DS name. Spire underscore fan. Boom. All That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Well, thank you for being on the show tonight, man. Of course, we have you on, not only because you're a big Metroid fan, but because specifically you are a big Metroid Prime Hunters fan. And we are talking tonight about Metroid Prime Hunters. We are here for another Mapping Metroid. And it is time to do our first one, I believe, ever from Metroid Prime Hunters. Which, I mean, isn't crazy because we've only done so many of those episodes. But still, a a huge feat to kick off the new year somewhat. We're going to be talking about the Vesper defense outpost video and all that entails as we dive into a mapping metroid um before we got into this though i I was kind of talking with y'all um about like what else is happening in the metroid world um and it doesn't really seem like much else is aside from the the billionth metroid prime you know you know hd remaster you know rumors which we talked about at least y'all did on the episode last week um we still have not heard anything as is you know Part of the course for these kinds of rumors where we're like, oh, you better get primed up tomorrow for some Metroid Prime. And then, you know, mm-hmm. never, never comes. And then next month, someone else needs clicks. Actually, I did see that there was like a solid five day stretch in which GameSpot was like tweeting out the Metroid Prime rumor article, like at the same time <laughs> every day. And I'm like, oh, someone's tweet deck is broken. Someone's <laughs> social media manager forgot to log in for a week and, and didn't fix that. Um, hey, you know what? The uh, inflation's high right now. They got to pay the bills, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it gets clicks. That's the best part about that, too, is that, like, I would I looked at each one, and each one got, like, unique responses as if they hadn't been posting it every day. 
You know, like some people are like terminally online and they see that GameSpot's posting this every day. There's some people who had no idea. So like on the fourth post, there's still people coming in and be like, I don't know this ties if they're reporting on it for the first time, um, which I thought was very funny. So you're right. The stocks are up and it's paying off. Was there any other Metroid news that I missed? Uh, nothing particular. So I don't know if anyone watches the, uh, the Kit and Krista podcast. Uh, they were two oh, yeah, uh, former Nintendo yeah, Minute. Yeah, two... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nintendo Minute was goaded. I, uh, mm-hmm. I missed that, but, uh, their podcast is super dope. I love listening to it. And, um, they weren't, they're not leaking anything. They were just purely making predictions, but they made an interesting prediction that I don't think I agree with, but I thought it was just interesting just because of, you know, they used to work for Nintendo of America, but they think that Prime 4 is coming out this year which I don't, I don't buy that. I think that's 2024 at the earliest, but I just thought that was really interesting nonetheless. That Prime 4 comes out this year. This year, this as year. a holiday 2023 title. Well, that's what I've been saying this whole time, so I'm, I'm with that. Spire, what do you think about that? Go for it. Announce it this summer, and then, yeah, like holiday release. You know what? Retro's known to do really good under crunch. I'm not telling them to rush things, but Prime 1 was a bit crunched, and it still was a masterpiece, so... They could do it. See, my thing, I mean, obviously no one wants crunch. I think the thing with this game, obviously, is that it was being developed during the pandemic, right? And I think that's the biggest hurdle for them. I don't, you know, because the game restarted development, what, 2019, 2018? Yeah. 2019. So, like, that's been over three years for them to develop it. Let's say that, you know, they had the burden of, like, maybe being set behind a year, Um by the pandemic, that would still mean the game's coming out relatively soon. Like, and a lot of a lot of companies really pivoted to work from home situations pretty well. I don't know how Retro's doing it if people started working from home. I imagine some people did, but um, I would have to imagine that. I don't think they're crunching. I think they were just trying to, you know, go with the flow of, of you know COVID and all of that. Um, but still, I mean, it's been a while since the game's been announced. Um, if it does come out this year, it'll be what six years since it was originally announced which isn't crazy overall in the industry but it's one of the longer kind of waits we've had in a while for a game uh i would be down for this year as well i mean i'd be down for i just don't think it's happening this year 2024 it feels feels right you know 2024 but yeah i mean if it is if it is then hopefully it's a really good game hopefully it comes out in switch 2 or switch pro I, or whatever I trust it is retro. they've they've never released a bad game they're they're in good hands that's sure. that I, is true. Oh, I just wanted to say I was the other day was just talking about someone was in the Prime Hunters Revival Discord. They were asking about, oh wait, did did Silex show up in other games? I was like, oh yeah, and I showed the Prime Three Secret Ending, and I was like, 2007. Okay, I'm patient, but wow, yeah, <laughs> that cliffhanger. I mean, there was there was also Federation Force. Yeah, I, I was about I to like say that. the most critical <laughs> of cameos for Silex is in Federation Force. I like that one too. Yeah, it's just crazy that yeah we we ended in 07 on that that cliffhanger. But yeah, right. I, I like that they put that in. So after waiting for Dread, which was on the cliffhanger from 2002, right? Like that's that's a crazier wait. I think the thing with the Silex thing though is that like with with Fusion into Dread, like Fusion was such a build up into like who knows what's gonna happen next in one degree. Whereas I think with Silex, because we still know so little, it was more like anything is possible and like the weight doesn't feel as like crazy. I feel like cause that the looming dread like above was like some of the crazier weight. I never really like as much as I've always wanted Metroid prime four. I think part of me was never like, 
oh, I need to know what happens next. It was more like, I can't wait to see what happens next. Whereas for Dread, it was like, I yeah. desperately need an ending to the current story, which we finally yeah, exactly. got. Exactly. And especially because, like, that's at the end of the timeline, whereas Prime is technically a prequel. And so it's like, well, we know the Samus Interquil. is going to get out of here eventually. So that's all. That's also true. We know Samus eventually survives in the end. Um, well, and I was on the Dread train too because when Prime Hunters came out in 06, not only did Nintendo Power do killer marketing for that, they led into corruption and they even covered like those Dread scan log rumors and all that stuff. So, you know, someone like me back in middle school, late elementary school, went, oh my oh, yeah. gosh, or Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2006 was a banner year for Metroid in that regard. We have corruption like on the way. Uh, I mean, that's kind of around the time, like, 2005, 2006, when, like, Dread was kind of apparently, like, appearing at E3 and, like, being mentioned there as well. So it wasn't just, like, uh, alongside, like, the scans of Prime 3. It kind of felt like it was going to be a real thing. And coming off, you know, Pinball and Hunters coming out recently and then Prime 3 on the way, like, best time to be a Metro fan. How could you, how could you not become a fan of the franchise at that time? And best of all, 2005 was the year Prime Pinball release. Was, so, hey, that's... That's just peak Metroid, if you ask That's me. peak. That's peak right there. That's peak fiction. Um, well, hopefully we find out something about Metroid Prime 4 or the remake or whatever soon because it has been now a year and a few months since Metroid Dread's come out. And we're we're ready for the next game. We're ready for, we're ready for what's up next. Um, E3 is looking shiny this year. We got E3. We got you know another Summer Games Fest. We got the Game Awards. Uh, we hopefully have a Nintendo Direct coming up in the next couple months, right? There's usually like a February, March direct, like who knows what that that's going to have with our luck. It's going to be a partner direct, but fingers crossed that it's not. Um, it's going to be a ton of anime JRPGs and a bunch of farming Minecrafty games. And then that's it. So can't wait for that, but and enough Mario about Kart DLC. and Mario Kart DLC, the, the inevitability, which that is actually dope. I'm always down for that. I feel like eventually they're not they're not going to release another Mario Kart game until every track in the Mario Kart series that's ever been made is in that game. As far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned. Like, why would they make another one? They'll just keep releasing tracks. Um, all right. Let's get into this. We've been chatting a little bit here for about 11 minutes or so about not the episode, but on the episode here tonight, we we're talking about the Vesper Defense Outpost, commonly shortened to VDO. Is one of the first or one of the earliest areas you actually go to in the game or have the choice to go to in the game. And we have Spire here to talk about this as it is a Metroid Prime Hunters episode. Generally, if you haven't listened to a Mapping Metroid episode in the past, if you're a new listener, if you just haven't, we have 140-something episodes of this show. I'm sure not everyone's listened to every single one. I'm sure a lot of you pick and choose, which is cool. If you haven't listened to a Mapping Metroid just yet, generally, we go through every little, you know, not every little, but major details and minor details of the areas, the general layout, the lore behind it, the enemies you'll find, the bosses you'll defeat, um, and all the other cool things. With the added bonus here tonight, we have the first time of doing a, which we also talked about before the show, um, of doing an area that also doubles as multiplayer areas. So we're actually going to talk about the area in terms of the layout and how it functions in the single-player campaign, and then we will circle back to talking about them in a multiplayer perspective in a context of playing it with friends and enemies. So that's how we do things. We're going to get rolling here. So the the Vesper Defense Outpost, you know what, Spire, since it's your first time on the show, and thank you again for joining us, um, give us a brief overview. What is the Vesper Defense Outpost? If I've never played Metroid Prime Hunters, why is Samus there? 
What does she do in there? What is it? Why is it important that we have to go to this place? What is it? Tell me about it. How many other Metroid games have you played? You know, we're, we're <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm all right. Let's say I've played Super Metroid, Metroid Prime, and I just played Dread. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Vesper Defense Outpost. I would first say is that the Olympics are very close to the Chozo. They're very, uh, you know, a very wise group of alien species. They're they're basically pacifists. But the ironic part about Vesper Defense Outpost is. They basically were like, oh, we're getting invaded. This alien, spoilers called Guria, just crashed through Celestial Archive. We had to put all these things together to seal them up. We don't want to get invaded again. Let's use our minds. We got to make weapons and we got to defend the Olympic cluster from other invaders. And as a Metroid Dread fan, you'd be like, well, what do you mean? And I'd be like, oh, Raven Beak and his guys. Imagine if they tried to step in. That's why you got to have these, you know, the, these weapons everywhere to, to defend against that. But that's probably what he's after. That's the ironic part. So that's yeah. what the station is. Yeah. So this is essentially, so the Olympics are another alien race that just like the Chozo, like the Luminoth, um, you know, exist in the Metroid universe. And at some point decided we need a munitions depot we need to we need to make weapons and ammunition we need to store it somewhere um and that is essentially kind of what the place is for um and that kind of deals into the general um layout and structure of the area because it's laid out as like this is where you're it's a big storage unit almost essentially and it's super cold because it has a ton of like radioactive and like nuclear based weaponry on it. That's the general idea of what it was meant for. And they didn't want it to be, you know, too hot. So things could start getting crazy nuclear. So they had it um, essentially held at sub, you know, sub zero temperatures and super cold temperatures. And then by the time Samus has gotten to it, the Olympics haven't been around for a while. The, you know, the general entire outpost has kind of, hasn't been main, you know, maintained for who knows how long. And so, Everything's frozen over. It's essentially coming back from vacation and your pipes burst since December and your whole house was flooded and then frozen over. Um, Doom, is that is that about accurate? Is that those takeaways? Yeah, that's pretty good. I actually really like that detail about all the ice. So a lot of the ice um, that's frozen around is like um, is like busted fuel reserves that yes. have been that has been stored for eons eons at this point. And it kind of almost form these almost planetary like rings around the defense station. It's a really, it's a really cool aesthetic when you're uh, looking at this place from far away. And then once you go inside, you know, you have like all these cooling ventricles and you have um, bioorganic technologies and stuff like that, you know, your standard Metroid flair, but it's all, it's just all super interesting and really cool. Yeah. hundred percent agreed. And I think when you look at the, the, the video from like as Samus is approaching or like when you select it in game, like at least for me growing up and like even now, like because the, how the DS, like it just doesn't like the resolution on these images is not great. Like when Sam, like when you look at the area itself on the map, like it's, you can't really get a good idea of what it really looks like. We have somewhat of an idea and like your brain kind of fills it in. And I just love like the silhouette and like just the general like blurriness of it of like you see this structure and then it's like bursted at the seams by all these like huge ice spikes that like spiral spiral around. It was also really cool. You know, that's one nice thing about I think Metro Prime Hunters that because it isn't so high like HD and came out when it did that your brain kind of fills in some details like in terms of how things look and your imagination can, you know, really fill that in and makes it I don't know. It, it gives it a different effect. Uh, no, it's, it's kind of doing that analog horror that people love doing now. Yeah. Like it, it, 
people love that N64 doom 64 horror aesthetic i mean the zelda games i say that the 64 zelda games are some of the greatest e-rated horror games and it's got that similar especially we'll get to it later but in stasis bunker when it does that depths music Mm -hmm. i've shared it before like the very eerie music you Mm -hmm. can basically put that in an emmy room you know it's there's some cool stuff for sure yeah there's a lot of cool aspects to this that we'll definitely dive into um another another thing about the ice particles too that's really cool it's not you don't just see them from the outside but there's specific parts where you can actually have windows that you can see into the space yes and depending on the angle that you're looking at you can actually see the ice particles orbiting outside which is just such a cool little detail that they added in this game there's a lot of really cool stuff that they do with the um both the space station areas in general in this game but yeah 100% 100% agreed. Yeah, I think even like the the gateway room, if you look up like where you came in from your ship, you can see like the stars and you can see like just like the edges of the ice like crept around the top, which is such a cool, such a nice little and you, part. And you can even see the skybox rotating as like with yes. the um with the space station orbiting too. There's like so many little details packed into this tiny DS game. Absolutely. Um, the only other things that kind of stuck out to me before we jump into the more granular details of, of the of this area. Um, first off, I thought it was really interesting how you, um, or at least I guess to me, when before I, like as a kid, I remember the first time I played this. I th- When I got to this area, I thought this was like a human outpost because it kind of feels when you walk through it, like the rooms feel just kind of like very like functionally human right they're just kind of like plain like rectangular you know like they don't have that kind of chozo like an aliens walking through this this walkway right it, it very much it almost feels like the tutorial like the beginning of prime three you're just kind of walking through like space station like forward rectangular hallways and obviously later you know the olympics are obviously not human um but i remember that as a kid i thought that this place was a human outpost at first like not being cognizant of like the lore i'm reading at all um, it just well, kind of gave like, me that that look to it. What adds to that is, I mean, I kind of in two thousand six, I was a bit scared of those alembic ghosts when you turned on your scan visor mm. because that kind of adds to that vibe of like, okay, someone was here, and you can right. get all that lore just by scanning the ghosts and stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think it's really. Well, I, I was gonna say, I think it's yeah. um, really interesting because I feel like I feel like it feels less and less human. Like the further you um, yes. go into, um, agreed. You go into it like like you you start with normal, normal seeing rooms. But then again, like you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But as you're collecting the battle hammer, you know you have this busted um, yeah. tank full of like organic brain like material that's like you find out is powering like the station and stuff like that. Um, you know you, you know we'll talk about stasis bunker later, which is a super cool area in general. Uh, the fuel stack and just you the you discover more and more alien weirdness as you progress through which i think is a really nice touch that's a that's a really good point yeah it has the facade of like being very familiar but as you go deeper is very much not so so let's let's dive right into that um the general layout of the of the video is i mean it's pretty simple right like you get to the gateway you land in there it's like a three-tier huge room big enough for your gunship um after that it kind of leads you to a, a straight line into the weapons complex. Um, and then from there, you can kind of branch out if you either want to kind of go to like, you know, the cortex and, and compression chamber area, um, which I believe is where, you know, the battle hammer eventually is. It also goes in the other direction to the stasis bunker and the fuel stack areas. Um, like I said, we're going to talk about the, you know, the campaign and the single player aspect of these rooms first. Um, so Spire, let, let, let bring us in. So you start at the gateway, like, Tell us about this room, and then go from there. 
Yeah, I mean, you said it well. I love... Okay, so it's kind of like a lot of other games have this thing where you wonder if the design of the game, you're trying to guess if it's more for the lore or more for the protagonist. And so in this case, when Samus lands her gunship, it is well designed for her gunship to land yes. on. But I can see that the lore justifies this because if it's an outpost, there's going to be a lot of other ships that, that will land in there and hopefully sure. maybe they're trading weaponry and stuff like that. So I love that detail. The space is big enough to be bigger than ships than Samus's. Uh, one thing I love is like the first room you walk into, there's just that machine and out comes a bunch of those like betrayal Metroid looking enemies mm -hmm. and they don't hurt you unless you run into them. They're kind of just doing their thing and run in a circle. You're almost, it's almost like what scientists left these guys to hopefully you know just exist and run mm -hmm. in a circle like and so it kind of goes back to the whole bioweapons thing and you know you can really start delving delving into the whole metroid link but that's more fan theory stuff and then like you said after you leave that room you start to enter the weapons complex which is like the first major like area and um yeah and uh all the turrets i like how asap they're trying to establish yeah this is they're supposed to be like auto turrets and stuff that doesn't want you here yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in this like in this area, you have a um, bunch of guardians you end up fighting. Like, I think the first time you end up in there, like you're you're fighting like one guardian. I think the second time I went through my recent playthrough, you fight like five or six of those guardians. Like, there's a lot of defensive stuff in here. Like, don't come in here. You're not supposed to be here. Get out. And that's a really nice, you know, nice touch to that. Again, like that's very familiar when you enter. Very unfamiliar. Um, as you get deeper and you mentioned the the weapons complex this is kind of your first kind of battlegroundy area because eventually you can fight silix here um i'm pretty sure i fought him on like my first time getting to this area and what i really liked about this was eventually during the fight and we'll talk about the silix fight um later but i love how he like in the middle of the fight will like lures lures you into that one side room and you chase him and then his ship comes in which i think is interesting that the outpost has two different areas where ships can come in and out for some reason but also that he has his ship ready to go and he lures you in and you have to start fighting both of them at the same time awesome awesome little part i think silix jukes that already and I've said this before because people okay. are asking how will Silex fight in Prime 4. But you look at this exact fight and just his play style with, like, the lockjaw and shot coil. He's wanting to sabotage and trap, like, whoever his opponent is. So mm -hmm. in this case, it's in Prime Hunters. And maybe, you know, in Prime 4, he's already two steps ahead in this case. He's already like, oh, yeah, whoever's entering here, I'm going to try to take out. And obviously, he hates Samus. So that's why he was so prepared in this you know point that he's going to bring out his own gunship to mm -hmm. shoot on her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Doom, any takeaways from that? Yeah, it's it's easily like the most unique uh, of the bounty hunter fights in the game. I was just about to talk about because of the ship aspect. Like all, all of the bounty hunter fights in the single player, at least they play out relatively the same. I think maybe except for like the uh, the triple fight between Noxus and uh, oh, and one. Trace as well when you would go to awesome. Arcara, But yeah, but uh, but yeah, in terms of like just the raw fight, like because of that ship and like the way like. Silex like toys around with you and plays in the arena like there's a little bit like like it like suddenly adds like a little bit more personality like um Spire was talking about and kind of what his play style is like and I I very much I look at him as kind of like like and I, I'm gonna use Fortnite terms just because I've been playing it but like um he, you know he's all about third party and uh, for those who don't know what third partying is basically if you're doing um if you're doing like um 
a one v one v one fight. Let's say two people are in the are in the middle of a fight. Um, you go in on that fight while they're distracted and they're fighting each other. And that's I feel like that's kind of like what Silex did with the ship. Is you know he wanted you know Samus to lure him and get get her engaged engaged with him in that fight. And then the ship comes out of nowhere when you least expect it. And that's kind of like the feeling I get with Silex. And hopefully oh, that'll it- be translated again in Prime Four exactly too because i people already are theorizing like oh in prime four silex is gonna team up with the space prides and me and other people are like i think he wants to instigate like ridley versus samus and then he gets them both or something like a double whammy also just want to say the spire fight left an impression on me so you know the, the high ground magma <laughs> shot about the rival fights yeah. yeah i agree i don't think uh silex is teaming up with anybody like he's yeah. teaming up with himself right which that's that's all he's looking out for number one. So I 100% agree. He's going to be like, hey, I'm going to instigate some kind of crazy thing and then take advantage of that. I could see that being the general story of Metroid Prime 4. Like there's some kind of, in you know, some kind of interaction between the Federation and the pirates that like something's happening between them, another fight or whatever it is. And then you learn later that Silex is the one who ends up instigating the whole entire thing. And he's trying to take advantage for some for his own gain, obviously. But yeah, yeah no, that's go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm just saying that they, they and clearly retro are, are they're going to study this game as source material. Like Silex yeah. is heavily hinted for Prime Four. They're going to look at this game. His play style is here. Like we're talking about right now at VDO, all that stuff is laid out. He's got the traps. He, you know, all his vendettas are right on the table. So yeah, and and, and, and also and also Tanabe is producing, and he played a very big role in producing this title as well. So yes, a lot of those connective through lines should be intact. I hope. I mean, I hope so too. I definitely think there's so much to draw from, and since we're already talking about the Silex fight, let's let's continue to do that. Um, no, no problem with that. Um, yeah, I think there's so much you can take away from just the general like this is his play style. This is how you're gonna anticipate him fight. Um, that in mind, actually fighting him in this game, and when I first fought it, like picking it up again and fighting him, I'm like this dude is annoying, man. Like. He's got that like Winston left click from Overwatch. Like he just chases you down and never stops dealing damage because of his shot coil, right? So like that that fight, like when I first I had it took me a second. I, I was like, okay, this guy is like jumping around, doing crazy damage, and fighting you in this like side room ish of the weapons complex. You gotta move around on him. It's actually a pretty, at least like having not played the game in a while somewhat of a challenging fight for me at least like getting on the ds you know like getting back into it he, he was i guess i think by virtue of his weapon kind of and of course the lockjaw um became a bit of a nuisance for me i don't know uh, as expert spire what, what do you think of it as a, as a boss fight in terms of difficulty this is not the case where the boss unlocked in multiplayer is nerfed that is exactly yeah. how Alex tends to play in multiplayer he was highly played in competitive for yeah. all those reasons you just listed the shot coil absorbing life was huge you had there was and, literally yeah. like a like sweet spot you had to stay out of short range especially like me playing spire like the second he started locking that on me i had to go in alt form and like rush him down because thankfully the your hurt box changes in alt form so he couldn't latch on as easy if you go into the dial anch. but in this case the one buff i will say is headshots don't work the exact same in single player because like in multiplayer it's like four or five power beam headshots silex is out but in this one mm-hmm. they see the fights to where it's fixed so if you're not really okay. focused yeah he's just gonna keep absorbing your health mm-hmm. yeah i i didn't know anything about like those uh damage numbers so that's really interesting although it may it makes sense that like the um the health of the of the bosses would be buffed just because 
you know, to compensate for the AI versus a real player, he's going to do a lot more with that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely had that feeling of like, I go into the Silex boss fight. I'm like, oh, I'm just playing a Silex player right now. Like this, except he's jumping way too much for to be a Silex player. From what I was, he's got that bumper jumper set up. That dude is jumping, and that's kind of like how you have to beat him because he's he's constantly moving, and you're playing a Samus. Like, okay, I can't just like, I'm, it's hard to track him while he's jumping around. So at least for me, like the strategy I was employing, I'm just waiting for him to land because he can't really change direction once he's jumped. So like I'm like all right like I'm gonna wait for him to jump oh he's about to land I'm gonna have a charge like missile ready for him once he lands it was either that or I would just try to jump in midair at him and hope we kind of like body blocked on each other and I would just like mash on him because I, he's right in front of me those are my strats to to it I don't know what the elite strats were but I that was my strat and then I actually found the lockjaw kind of easy to deal with because. He would kind of like I felt like I was able to fall back and he would do his lockjaw stuff and I I didn't have to worry about it. I kind of just ignored it and wait until he went back into his normal form. The lockjaw I felt like is way like way stronger in the hands of a human opponent in multiplayer than than the boss. No, completely. The like you know if he had multiplayer experience, new yeah. age <laughs> that would be such a good five star legendary hunter license. Yeah. <laughs> literally just put two lockjaw bombs on whatever resource or choke point you want to get out of and now mm. you're really like stuck <laughs> yeah that would be i would love that though like give if like ever remade the game or made no one like give me like human difficulty mode like a ab like above the hardest difficulty like give me like the best like based on human play ai boss battles that'd be a lot of fun because or else trace just kills everyone in one second so you got to add a little bit of like artificial inaccuracy or something yeah, no, that would sure. um, be seeing that little uh, angelic sprite when you die like uh, quite a bit. It would be the new Emmy cutscene. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot. You, I'd hope for like a like a, the boss battle where if you die, it just like resets instantly. I don't have to like wait for the whole cutscene to go again and like, oh my god, I'm not playing this. Um, yeah, and then of course the 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 you know Silex's ship, the Delano Seven comes in. That's a really cool aspect of it. Um, I also think it's really a good um, little bit of juxtaposition or just like planning, I guess, by the devs by having the battle hammer be the in the area that you end up fighting Silex first. Because I found the battle hammer as a good option to deal with him when he's in lockjaw mode because you can kind of sit back and he's not jumping around. So it's a lot easier to hit those lob shots. Um, so I actually thought that was nice because you get the battle hammer and then you go and fight him like, oh, I actually have a tool I just got to fight him in his alt form and then you kind of stick to power shot you know power beam shots and then missiles while he's in uh normal form so i thought that was a nice little touch there yeah the splash damage also really helps on that uh battle hammer as well good point yeah that's actually a really good point and it's perfect for that usage against someone who's like moving constantly and doesn't need to aim like having something that has aoe splash damage is kind of like the answer in that rock paper scissors kind of scenario um yeah, so I mean, a really awesome boss battle. Uh, definitely think it's indicative of what we will see from Silex and Metroid Prime Four. I would hope so. I think it's great to draw from. Um, let's I get. I, go will, ahead. I was going to say, I will say, and I've talked about this before. Um, I personally think the Hunter soundtrack is criminally underrated. I think there's a really a mm. lot of cool, unique as aspects oh, yeah. of it. I love. Um, I love kind of the way it incorporates um, both bass guitar and kind of syncopated rhythms into its melodies. I think it's a really interesting touch that you don't see in a lot of Metroid soundtracks, but I think it works for this game. I will say, though, I'm not a fan of the Hunters themes. I think it's a cool idea in concept, 
but it just ends up getting very repetitive after a while. And unfortunately, I feel the same way with um, Silex's theme as well, where you have you have the same kind of bass melody underneath with some new instruments kind of layered on top. And I, I don't think it quite works in that. But um, otherwise, yeah, I think it's a really cool fight. I wonder if that's a case of like, I've talked about this with, there's like the repetitive syndrome of how they reuse the same two bosses three more times each. But those mm-hmm. two bosses, if they were just by themselves without being repeated, they're actually really cool. Like, design. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, And so like you just said, they tried to incorporate that these are your six rivals and they're going across the planets like you are. And it is cool to imagine like how did Spire experience video? But yeah, they, they show up so much that you do hear that song a lot. I think I've talked to you a little about this, uh, Doom, is that if I was like the composer and I'm bringing these characters back, I would extract those unique elements per hunter. So like Spire had the heavy bass, Silex had like that orchestra and then uh-huh. write something kind of new, but keep those elements intact. So you keep like a motif, but you can write, you know, whatever. It'd be a fun challenge. So maybe, maybe in terms of the syncopation, you could keep it the same, but I think those, um, I think just that keeping the main melodies intact for all six hunters, I feel like, and especially like once you get to the Goria fight and they reuse it a seventh time again after that, it's like, okay, come on now like I, I will say shout outs to the noxus choir i hope noxus comes yes back oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. i i think <laughs> i think the idea of having like unique unique ideally <laughs> hunter themes is really cool though and like they definitely should if they have multiple themes or multiple hunters i mean like even in metro prime 3 you know the new hunters they had their own themes right um i i do agree with you spire i would like if there was like one connecting motif between all of them but just like in such a, a more subtle way and then like again like yeah extrapolate that main core i'm with you on that one um but also 100% agree with you doom these get really repetitive i also think they're also they feel too gamey and arcadey to me like, mm-hmm. sp- like when, if there's a, like, you're out in the middle of nowhere in space and on this abandoned, like, munitions depot and then someone else shows up on that and starts to fight you. Like, that to me, ne- that needs, like, a really, like, a really good theme. Like, either really hype or, like, really, like, heavy, you know? Like, this is a significant moment. And then maybe you kind of change up a little bit as you realize, oh, this is par for the course. I'm going to be running to a lot of people um, later. So I feel like maybe having a bit more diversity there would have been nice. Um, Silex especially, his theme to me, like when you go into that fight, feels so gamey and like arcadey yeah. to me. Like it's like, oh, I'm in a video game boss battle now. It doesn't feel like, um, and it's not as compelling as I would hope. But I guess it's you know it's a DS game, 2006. So I might be asking for a lot. Mm-hmm. I will say though, the actual music of VDO is in the area really good but we can talk about that when we um, talk about music later well we're detouring man i think we just let's let's keep going <laughs> we'll we'll get back to the other rooms let's let's talk more about the music because i had something i wanted to say about the music specifically aside from the silex theme which like take it or leave it whatever i think it's more so like it's just like when i heard it again i was like oh man this takes me back like so maybe it just it's just that rose tinted yeah. glasses like you know it is what it is and i grew up with it um going back the main theme that you first hear when you get to the video like I guess the main gateway theme, whatever it is, um, that has like that snare drum in it. Um, that stuck out to me super hard because like when I was listening to him, I was like, has any other track like you in the series uses like snare? Like I'm, I hope I'm saying the right instrument, but I, it sounds like yeah, a snare yeah, drum a snare, to me. Yeah. Okay, like that's not a thing in Metroid tracks a lot of the time. Like I really can't think of any like significant Metroid tracks that use a snare drum like that. When I hear it, I'm like, it sounds so not Metroidy to me. Which is 
kind of fitting for hunters overall like it's a metroid game but it's it's not it doesn't really have metroids it has things that look like metroids it has music that sounds like metroid music but it kind of doesn't and that when i first came back and i played this i was like wow that stuck out to me kind of hard because there are a couple songs in this game that feel very inspired directly by metroid prime or even like remix some elements of that this sounds so not metroid to me because of that snare drum i don't know maybe it's just me I think yeah so uh, you want to go first I just I wanted to add uh I think they did a good job at invoking that you're in a different galaxy like the the tetra hmm. the tetra galaxy and you know like we brought up the the olympics are similar to the chozo but you know you're entering this kind of militaristic station yes. but it's also abandoned and you can hear like the ambience with the snare drum I love that kind of almost clashing but it works kind of mixed to it so. mm-hmm. I was just going to say, um, so yeah, Metroid doesn't typically use snare, snare drums like in, in their instrumentation. It's not unheard of, though. Fusion actually uses quite a bit of snare in a, a lot of those compositions as well. But yeah, it's not, so much, um, it's not so much the presence of the snare drum, but the way it's used. It's played in this very um, timpani-like marching yes. kind, of, um, uh, kind of groove. And that is something that you don't see in Metroid. And normally on its own, it would feel really weird, but I feel like the instrumentation and the pads and the synthesizers that are used with it is really what brings us home. Especially like once you get the um, the full drum kit, um, you get um, you get some of the shakers and mm-hmm. shakers and some of the reed reed instruments, and I feel like it brings like almost this kind of this kind of like chozo sound into it, but it also feels mm. different enough to where you know it feels like its own unique experience. I I really love. Um, uh, the main Vesper defense outpost thing a lot. Yeah, I, I like it too. And I think that's that how you put it is maybe more accurate to what I was saying. Not necessarily just using the snare drums, but it has that like military, like marching, like one, two kind of thing to it, which I think also, again, contributed to like me thinking originally this was a human outpost. That sounds so much like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm showing up to sign up for the US Army or something like that. Like it's sound, it doesn't sound alien. It sounds like I'm walking onto a human ship. So that or, or human space station, whatever it is. So yeah, that it's a really interesting usage that I I, I agree with you, Spire. It does give you that separation of like this is not a place again, like not even just that specific station, but the entire galaxy you're in, completely different. Um, any other any other standout comments about the the music on on video? Because we talked about Silex's, um, we talked about the gateway or like the main theme. Any other tracks that? kind of stand out or any other comments on on the video music uh, I, I think i think spire and i have been holding our tongues about uh stasis bunker do you want to get right into there <laughs> or do you want to wait uh, i mean there is a nice trivia bit with go yeah, for yeah, it stasis, but it's like you guys were already foreshadowing the the surface of video and then what you find later on like the tone shift like 180 all intentional i think the music adds to that because like you said the impression is like oh militaristic this this place is organized they they know what they're doing and then as you go further and you're like okay what's going on they really were making bioweapons what you know it's some eerie stuff going on Mm -hmm. okay so well let's open it up we have a bunch of other rooms to talk about stasis bunker let's talk about it get into it uh spire you've been it seems like you've been bursting out the steam zones to talk about the stasis bunker (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll save 75% for multiple. Okay, oh, but, fair, know, fair. You're right, you're right. You know, but uh, Stasis Bunker, I I love the, and because especially like, I love 
that you obviously see like the guardians and stuff in their like sealed chambers here but mm -hmm. there's kind of not just because of the music which actually is one of my favorite environmental metroid tracks is that, that i agree stasis bunker, video depths like people are doing those projects that i'm replacing music in metroid dread you gotta slide that one in why don't you mm. put that in the emmy room uh, one for one uh and so like i i love that these guardians are in their sealed chambers and you're just thinking when are these guys popping out they're usually spamming a bunch of rooms i'm ready to fight but now that the tone is completely different, it's slowed down. It, it, it just adds to it. it adds to that pressure. You're, you've gone in deep already into this base. And so it, it's kind of, it's getting a little horror element. And I love that. Who doesn't love horror with Metroids? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the corruption sequence in the uh, in the Xeno Research Lab with the Phazon Metroids. It's the same thing where you, you see them and it's like, well, I know how this is going to go down. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. And it's uh, it's very much uh, very much the same in this game, and um, I really think I I really love the environmental storytelling in just this one room alone because not only do you have, you know the uh, the guardians and their stasis tanks, which I mean, at this point you don't really know a lot about the guardians other than mm -hmm. they guard important uh, Olympic <laughs> sites, but this is the first time you actually see like where they're created in um in in the laboratories and you even have that one uh that one dead olympic that's like holding holding the door open to the second level and it makes you wonder like what uh what happened here was this was this a rogue guardian you never actually find out what happens but it's just it's really cool detail and if you actually look around the room you can actually see the busted tank in advance of where it um of where it escaped from which again just a super cool detail they didn't have to put into the yeah, there's a lot of good environmental storytelling in this area. And also, like, straight-up storytelling as well. Because if you go through the scans in this room and adjacent rooms, which I find really interesting in the entire video, in the in the stasis bunker, there's a lot of lore on, like, explaining, like, kind of how to get to Goria and, like, you know, what the oublet is and, and all that stuff. And then if you go to, like, another room, like, if you go to, like, the fuel stack whatever, like, the very next room, it's like, also, don't do that. Like, we just explained <laughs> how to do it, and then we're like, but don't. Trust us. Don't do it, which I think is really funny because why even – why keep the information at all? Lose it to time. And we're like, no, we're going to explicitly tell you how to get there, um, but also if you do it, you're, you're boned. So I always thought that was a really interesting part because it's, it's such a stark contrast, like juxtaposition from one room to another. Like, I almost, it's almost comedic actually and how they give you the, the outline and they're like – beware but also like if you want to do it like it's how you do it um i thought that, that that stuck out to me for this room as well well then speaking of there's that one um alembic ghost in compression chamber i don't know if you remember this but you have to like jump to scan it mm -hmm. and he like he's like way up top and he says exactly he's like we sacrificed so much to seal Gurria. don't let that go in vain <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, oh. Sam, it, it feels I really like it, though, because it feels like that not all the Olympics were in lockstep with each other. Like, it really feels like mm. there were individual people writing each piece of lore, where there were yeah. some where it's like, hey, we need to go, the longer that thing stays in there, then the longer the universe is at risk. And there's others that it's like, no, if you unlock it, the universe is destroyed. Like, we can't, and it really, I, I really like that not, that it's not really a hive mind. It really feels like there's individual personalities in each of these entries. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, because I, I think that also kind of lends to the, the lore style of the Olympics, where if you look at it in, like, contrast to, like, Chozo lore from the Prime Trilogy or even, like, Space Pirate scans, 
Um, they're very matter of fact and like to the point. Like there's no like grandiose like poeticness like the Chozo have, and there isn't like that kind of like super like scientificy and like speculative nature that the space pirates have that almost leans into comedy because they're like, oh, uh, our faces got eaten off by Metroids. We wrote that down. Um, I wonder what happens if we try out this morph ball technology. Exactly. Like the Olympics are very like in all caps. Don't do this. Do that. That we did this and this happened. Like it's very straight to the point like you almost can't interpret it any other way which i find really interesting because i think that like the chozo be kind you know at least the chozo we know of like on talon 4 for example we're pretty much all of like one mind from what we know so it's you know that having that like um consistent theme of like it being very like flowery and like how they talk about their lore like it's, it, it makes sense and the space pirates similarly like they're all of one mind one goal pretty much like so a lot of their stuff is very on the same level with this, like who knows all the Olympic, you know, individuals, what their goals are, whatever. So it makes sense. I feel like that it's so basic and like to the point, um, because that that's kind of, I guess what their like general go forwardness was as a, as a race. Like we're just, we're doing our jobs. We're, we're making this thing happen. It actually reminds me a lot of kind of like the, um, the, the Superman origin stories on Krypton where you had like, where you had, um, uh, Jor-El, uh, Superman's father, who was talking about the imminent threat of the planet's collapse, and then the rest of the society who just wouldn't listen at all, and it was ultimately their downfall. And there was a lot of infighting between the Kryptonians um, during that point. And I kind of got the same feeling with like the Olympics on a hmm. on a similar kind of scale. That's a lot like. I mean, I, I've talked about this before. I love that Prime Hunters kind of delved into Metroid meets Lovecraftian horror. And kind of like a lot of Lovecraftian horror stories, sometimes the the warnings are just very blunt. Yeah, it's like writing on the wall. And yes. what do people do? They keep going, and then you you mess with it, the abyss, and the abyss messes you back. Thankfully, all seven of the hunters are okay. But you know, <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. I think if anything, maybe just like the general theme of like the Olympics. Like even if there were different individuals or on different page, I think the the crux of who the Olympics were as characters were very like straightforward. Like not going to lead you astray. Like, we had a very clear goal, like, even if we achieved it different ways, we had a clear goal, and this is the best way to go about it, being as blunt and as straightforward as possible, because eventually someone's going to gonna read this. In fact, I think one of the lore entries, either one of the ghosts or one of the, like, says, like, if you're reading this, then we were successful in, like, putting Goryeo away, like, don't open it, you know? If you're reading, like, they, they had that forethought. Which I think goes into some of the lore in the game where, like, there's a mention of, like, their brains being whatever, like, they have a big front brain or something. So, like, they knew to anticipate threats or something, which is like, all right, that's some sci-fi mumbo jumbo. But they were smart enough at a, some point to, like, have that forethought of, like, we're eventually someone's going to discover this. We need to lay out this path which differed from the Chozo, which they kind of did the same thing, but it was very wrapped in mysticism. And the Space Pirates were very clearly writing for themselves. They weren't anticipating anyone else reading it at all. So I like that. that like, It's almost like a horseshoe. Like the Chozo and the Space Pirates are on different sides of like their goals and how they achieve them. But it eventually like comes kind of together. And then you have like the Olympics all the way down here, like very different kind of like in the middle between those two sides there and kind of well, draws between both. Well, I was going to say, there is a little bit of that mysticism as well, because there is, and arguably, a very important part of the game. Oh, the prophecy. That, yeah, the yes, prophecy. That's, that's which, true. That's which true. You need to, which you need to follow to get the true ending of the game. And so I... And so that's I fair. Yeah, yeah. There is some mysticism there. I agree. It's literal prophecy. But also, it's like, 
the like most like baby mode Olympic like prophecy. It's like you have this green weapon. You better shoot this yellow thing over. You know, like it's that even even their prophecies are very kind of baseline and straightforward. So like anyone could almost interpret them. I think I don't know. Spire, what do you think? Well, I mean that kind of circles into the the next part of video about finding the battle hammer because kind of black or white, like you said, the the simplification is. Yeah, fire these six panels with these six different weapons and the, the true ending happens. And then the opposite side where you can delve way down the Metroid theory rabbit hole is you're like, why is this space pirate nuclear powered weapon in, in VDO? It is a weapon station and it is nuclear powered. But I, I always thought as a kid, I was like, I don't think Weevil was like, eh, I'll drop this for Samus later. Yeah, you know, it's like you're trying to think like, oh, did the did space pirates maybe come across this place a while back and trade it or something like that? So. Yeah. I just think of it as a weird inconsistency that I just didn't think too hard about. I was like, you know what? It's it, it was the only weapons they had. We needed Samus to collect them. Yeah, it's, it's not that deep. I, I hope she. Go ahead. Oh, I just I've always said I hope she brings those weapons back. I've always joked I hope Samus has like a vault in her ship or somewhere where she stores all these awesome weapons, like the Imperialist or the Battle Hammer. And then in a future game, she's like, okay, I'm gonna bring some of these back. Yeah. Yeah, she I, should start bringing him with her as backup so that she doesn't have to collect as much stuff during all her missions. Yeah, I wonder how that works because, like, can't she just like hold that kind of? I don't know. Like, she doesn't have that weaponry going into Metro Prime Two. What happened? Why does she? Why, I would carry the Imperialist with me on any mission. Is all I'm saying. I carry like, the Omega Cannon with me. That thing. That thing's got some DPS. Well, which which Omega Cannon? Yeah. Because oh. now there's the, two. Because the the now there's Omega. two of them, and. Well, because well, the first, well, because well, the OG Omega Cannon has infinite ammo, right? Infinite ammo. But I don't think but you could just use one. that at any time. It's not like a real weapon. It's not a reg. I mean, it's a real weapon. It's not a regular weapon, though. I think you kind of you can't use it at any time, can you? I mean, pull uh, out of your back pocket when the situation heats up. Uh, I feel like it would have come in handy against the Emperor. Ng. Well, yeah, I, that's. I mean, that's the good question. Is like during the true ending after Obliette when she sees the Olympics and they say thank you did she give it back or she just like oh thanks because maybe she was like i don't want the federation getting this either you know that's like they're kind of shady well, i don't know i don't know if we're at that point in the timeline that i feel like at this point samus is still pretty naive to a lot of the underdoings of the federation assuming assuming that's even canon still i mean who even knows at this i rate? i would say like maybe not naive to it but i would say probably like uh I think at that point she's like, I'm doing my job. I'm doing a job. And she probably just reports on anything. It's probably just like an inconsistency that she doesn't, I don't know, maybe doesn't at all mention what happened on this mission. She just took care of it and she didn't write the report afterward. I shouldn't debrief. I don't know. I also never thought about why. Cause, I mean, is the battle hammer specifically a space pirate developed weapon? Do we know that? Or is it just used by space pirates? The, like Weevil's cybernetics was part of that project because his own cyborg suit is nuclear powered, and so the battle okay. hammer works in tangent. Now, when it's used by him, it has like the bigger slash radius. Right, right. But the battle hammer like technology was space pirate developed. It, it people like basically so we don't to that, but that's we don't a good know. Question. 
Well, okay. There's other weapons. We well, don't there know. There are other weapons. Like the shot coil, for instance, is a Galactic Federation weapon, which you can find. Which right. Again, I I don't think too hard about. Well, it. it's, well, well, limited resources. Well, what if what if like both the pirates and the Federation develop those weapons based on what they found from the Olympics at a, uh, in the past? That's what I'm kind of thinking. Is like, what if it's not the battle hammer was left there? What if the Olympics made the battle hammer and the space pirates took it and started making stuff with it? And the Federation maybe did the same. I don't know. That could be a possibility. It's a lot of conveniently similar weaponry that they I, uh, all uh, happen to <laughs> all happen to go to the same source from. Well, they did think ahead with the scan locks because one of them not only said that the Olympics traded with the Chozo for information, but the Olympics are the ones that spawned the power beam. And that's basically like the universal sidearm for the bounty hunters and stuff so. that's that's pretty damning evidence i think because if they're getting the direct <laughs> power beam technology from the olympics who knows what else they took from them or developed or like reverse engineered from what the olympics gave the chose i mean we know the chozo and the federation have contact with each other i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that somehow the federation either got the technology from the chozo or somehow from the olympics and maybe the space pirates did the same yeah uh, this is very video related and my my friend lee mph from the revival group one you know he mentioned this he's like oh this is something that i thought about is the so the cortex cpu you know when you go in that morph ball tunnel on vdo and you're going to the battle hammer everyone has that reaction where they're like what is that torn up brain thing you're like okay yeah. but thank you you get to learn a little bit more once you get to the room with the battle hammer and what what he wanted to kind of mention and this is Duma said this earlier before the show started, like kind of getting a little hopium, but as a Metroid fan, you're used to it. Is if this brain thing is related to, you know, powering a lot of their weapons and devices, and if the, the Olympics have met with the Chozo before and they're stopping invasions, he's like, what if some of those Chozo were mocking and then they got that information? They learned about the Omega Cannon, but couldn't get it. And they're like, oh, there's some like brain devices that run this thing, and that's why you see the brain things in dread that give you the Omega Cannon, but not the exact thing. Which, which I think is it's a fun fan theory, but I don't think the 2D games are ever going to acknowledge hunters. A, a coincidence for sure, but I think that is interesting because the what the the Slench boss is a big eye. Yeah, yeah. and you fight it yeah. on VDO. Which when <laughs> I fought that thing, I was like, this is an eye thing from Dread. So. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a coincidence, but it's a very, very good point that, that I think all this could root back to the Olympics somehow. And I don't think that's a realm out of possibility. It's kind of it's kind of like what's that word where like things in the environment are like have it or like in nature have a tendency to create like a crab form or a lobster form, you know what I'm talking about? It's like it's like called back to crab. Yeah, the yeah, covert evolution. Exactly, yeah. It's like it's like covert edge of evolution where like nature is just like predisposed to build to like the crab or like lobster build because it's so efficient and that's how i kind of feel like with a lot of themes in metroid like everyone inevitably builds towards bioweapons and brain controlled things and all that kind of stuff which is why i'm not surprised that there would be these similarities they or they're all going from the same source because that's likely the most efficient or just like where things end up in the metroid universe bioweapons brains and all that nonsense so i wouldn't be surprised if it's all connected the Nintendo spies are trying to stop this conversation right now. We've they're knocking so on my door. Yeah, yeah, the Metroid. I have well a GameCube controller in here. About to fight Metroid Bible has been cracked open. They have talked about that. There's stuff we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Quick, close your Dolphin browser. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. We've we've jumped around a lot. Actually, uh, we've talked about Sykes. We've uh, we've briefly mentioned um, the bosses, which 
I don't think need too much mentioning because if you've played the game, you know that like these bosses are not unique to to the video to the video. You have the uh, the Credifid, which is the big pillar thing that you shoot at, and yes, and then you have the which we just mentioned the Slunge, the big eye thing, which is a mixture of the Dread Eyes and also our favorite boss battle, the Samus Evil Samus boss battle from Federation Force, where she rolls around in big morph, morph ball form. Is exactly what happens in the Slunge boss battle, where it drops down and rolls around the room in a big ball. Um, it it also uses very similar uh, chord progressions to the Ridley theme, which I think is really interesting. But it's not it's not quite the same, but it's very clearly inspired by it. Everything comes back to Hunters. Well, that song, <laughs> that meta Ridley song they used in First Hunt, is so hard to find when you're looking up Metroid music. And I mm. love Prime Hunters, but. It is interesting that they didn't actually bring that song from First Hunt to Two Prime Hunters, which they did do for Video in another area. But mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whenever we talk about Fuel Stack, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's jump into it. Um, we have there's a couple other rooms we haven't mentioned here, um, like the Fuel Stack and the Compression Chamber. Um, but yeah, the the Fuel Stack. I think my biggest note from this one, um, is again there's a bunch of lore in this room, which is like, hey, this is how you get to Goria. Also don't do that seriously um miyamoto please do not do that <laughs> please don't do this and then uh fuel stack from what i remember is pretty much the same in single player as it is in multiplayer aside from you can use the lift in in multiplayer from what i remember is that that's correct right spire you you can use the lift i mean once we delve into multiplayer, there's some the cool tactics you can do. So okay. obviously, once you know, once it's multiplayer, there's going to be new items. Mm -hmm. So you're you're working for some of those items, taking risks. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know what? I now that I'm looking at the time, we're already 50, 58 minutes into this episode. So you know what? I think right. I think it's about that time. And actually, I kind of like this style of mapping Metroid, where we just kind of jump around and talk about whatever we think is most interesting. Um, <laughs> and I think we've done that because truthfully, I don't care that there's two missile expansions in this area. Um, so we're not going to talk about that. I don't care. There are two missile expansions in this area. There's also two universal ammo expansions in this area. You might pick them up. You might not. It's cool. There's like a 2D. It's a free country. You it, can do what you, you want. You can do what you want. Um, there is also a like a sideways morph ball maze in there. It's totally cool. And obviously, we you know there are a bunch of enemies we've also already mentioned in a lot of these places. Um, oh, before we go to the multiplayer thing, I have to mention something about the enemies. Um, we mentioned the petrosils, which are like the not Metroid, like jellyfish things you can touch. There's also the quadroids, which are like lizards yeah. with like Metroid heads. And those yep. also are coincidentally not Metroid related at all. And also it's not explained why they exist, except the Olympics made them for some reason. But once again, everything converges like crab form, Metroid form in the Metroid universe. The most efficient form is a Metroid. Therefore, everything must be building to become that. But I thought what is that Me what is Metroid going to return to monkey though? Olympics were right. I mean, aren't there, uh, there are some enemies. Uh, I want to say, doesn't like other M have like a Metroid. Um, who has a couple of Metroid forms or space pirate forms. They're kind of like ape like maybe I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't know. I mean, or I may, maybe I'm just thinking of one of the Metroid forms that are like, or one of the space pirate enemies that are that Samus DDTs a bunch. Anyway, honestly, now that you mention it real quick, some of the only mammals in, in Metroid are, are humans. You know, it's I mean, look at even like the prime hunters themselves. Obviously, we assume Silex is human, but, you know, Spire, Trace, Candon, Noxus, they're not mammals. Yeah, you know? as far as we know, they're not they're not mammals. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, 
There are a few of those, and even the other animals in the, you know, they're mammal-esque, but are they actually um, mammals? But, speaking of that, there's also those little dinosaur things on video. Um, I don't remember what their name is, but I do remember that they, like, roar at you with, like, a generic, like, I found this sound on the internet, like, dinosaur sound, which I always thought was really funny. It's like, why is this, how did this thing get here? Why is it here? How, what is it eating? Like, is it eating the jellyfish thing? And it's like, a, I, I felt like that was such a weird thing to have in this area. I don't know why it's there. Yeah, those things are only found on the space stations, I believe, weirdly enough. But I can't, there might be some lore explaining why they're on the space stations, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, I'm about to ruin the magic, speaking of, but you know, okay. the big trivia is that Silex also uses stock monster sounds. And he so, does. Like he, that... he like, roars when you hit him, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Is he a dinosaur? I... Well, I re... <laughs> well, I remember in 2007, <laughs> and when they were trying to push Blu-ray versus HD DVD, I'll never forget the commercial that tried to sell a player that was both, and it had a dinosaur, and it used Silex's sound bit. I was like, how'd they get the rights to that Metroid sound? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the craziest lore spin ever if we end up finding out that <laughs> silex is not human or humanoid at all a humanoid dinosaur really because i mean silex even in the cutscenes, silex inexplicably roars uh, into the air for some reason no one knows why like that is not human you can yeah. tell me it's human unless they've got the dinosaur voice pack and it's just a guy in there like yelling. Saying, he's just having he's just having some fun with voice mod. That's all. I, I you do know, love he, that sound. You know, they gave him they gave him a Twitch uh, tier three sub, and you know, he wanted just to please the viewers. That actually would be better if we just find out it's just a guy in a suit like who had downloaded some like voice software and is just like going around trying to be like a Vocaloid bounty hunter or something. Like, like I'm Watt Tambor in Star Wars. You have the <laughs> yeah, I'm down. For, I, that actually be kind of cool. Just some guy. Um, okay, enough about all that. It's not time to talk about the game from a multiplayer perspective here. Spire. There are five maps, yeah. all involving the rooms we pretty much talked about. The VDO gateway, we have weapons complex, we have the compression chamber, we have the stasis bunker, we have the fuel stack. I'm going to lead off here first. Out of those five maps, which one do you think is the best? Which one do you think is the worst? Of those five. Oh, man. And why? You are... Yeah, you're hitting me with a challenge here. So I'm putting very... on the spot. I'm very optimistic, and I do like all five, but as a Spire main, okay. I love Weapons Complex because the Dialanche had that ability where you could climb up walls, but mm -hmm. you couldn't climb over the walls. But when you go to low gravity, you just spin enough momentum that you fly up anyway. So Spire and Silex are the only characters that can go into alt mode and fly to the very top of Weapons Complex ASAP. You can grab the Health Orb and the Imperialist. Candid and Samus have to do like bomb jumps and wait a bit, but those two get to go up there ASAP. I love that. In terms of the hardest map, VDO Gateway, uh, if I'm not using Imperialist, you know, Magmal is kind of a short mid-range weapon. There's a lot of damage there, but on that map, if Trace is all the way on the other side, oh man, you know, that's a, I got to approach in a very smart way, so. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I would not want to be on Video Gateway Aspire. Actually, I would even say that I've never picked Spire on that map. Um, Doom, what about you? Uh, top to bottom. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say Video Gateway probably my least favorite, just because there's okay. like no cover on that map at all. And I usually I I like I'm I'm a Silex main, so I like to get up close and personal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Video Gateway definitely uh, definitely not the home turf advantage there. 
um, you know, despite the, fo- the despite the Silex boss fight just a few rooms later. Um, I, I got a real soft spot for, um, you know, for uh, Stasis Bunker, just because, um, j- uh, just because of, like, how complex the area is. Um, I really love uh, the verticality that the level has, and I also think it's really cool. We were talking about this before the podcast, but uh, Stasis Bunker is the first area ever shown from Metroid Prime Hunters when uh, the game was revealed at E3 2004. Um, you can you can find it in that original gameplay footage, and it's even included in the first Hunt demo that was bundled with the DSs. It's exclusive to the Morphal training mode, but if you actually pay attention to the map layout, it's pretty much one-to-one identical. Obviously, you don't have some of the details of the Guardians and stuff like that, but that raw map layout and that overall theming is still, like, completely intact and so i think it's really cool that they basically that 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 map uh basically made it to the final game relatively unchanged for the most part mm-hmm. yeah i I'm, I'm with both of you there and that's actually really cool a little a bit of like hey we were we're gonna reuse this because it was actually really good and also we don't want to make another thing especially i mean considering hunters has a lot of maps actually um yeah same thing with uh combat hall i mean the the fan favorite probably like most well-known map in that game yeah yep, yep. Um, and then there's uh, there's another Celestial Archives map. I can't. I think it's Trooper Module, but it's uh, it's based off another map from um, uh, from the final game as well. Hmm. I mean, my my ma- favorite map in the game is still Harvester. So, which is not a video oh, map, but I love yeah, yeah. love Harvester. Harvester's so good. Um, for me, I actually think this is one of the weaker gateway maps. I'm always a big fan of Alanos Gateway. That was my my go to oh, f- favorite. I know I know you like Alanos Gateway, but in general. I always loved Alanos Gateway for the same reasons. Uh, crawling around as Spire was dope. Um, obviously, the Imperialist ledge where you can snipe from there is really cool. So as a Trace main, you know that was where I went immediately. Um, I think I kind of stayed away from like fuel stack and and weapons complex for me, especially as weapons complex has those holes in the ground that you can fall through, which I would do. Um, compression chamber and stasis bunker are I think very just like straightforward like skill-based maps like you can't really cheese too hard on those it's, i think it comes down very much to individual skill and, and map knowledge and not like i play spire so i'm going to be able to get up to the top of the map before you or i can fall through a hole so not i i i mean overall i actually think the video has kind of my batch of like not super favorite maps in the game but also like maps i don't mind playing on it's it's the hidden you think alanos is the poster spire planet but also vdo for in terms of maps because fuel stack is the other map where most hunters have a hard time getting to the very 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 top little room yes imperialist <laughs> and the health orb hate but that Spire gets a wall climb so he gets to get that pretty easily uh also real quick i should mention on vdo gateway the glass bowl at the bottom increases the mobility of all the hunters including in their alt forms so that usually is my necessary way to like approach a lot and, and like to you know, like a, a sniping trace, but also mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys ever did this and the revival discord told me to bring this up. I had to is Noxus Beyblade fights and people would go into their <laughs> and go to the bottom of video gateway and just do like giant both scythe fights with the double damage in the middle. So that's actually, I can't dope. say I've ever done that before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember there being double. I remember there was like the death all power up. I don't remember there being like, um, like a double that that doesn't surprise me though there's a lot of uh quake influence in metroid prime hunters oh, between yeah. stuff like that the jump pads which are basically ripped right from quake I love jump pads, but yeah mm-hmm. uh 
Yeah, I think that's kind of why I also stayed away from fuel stack is because if I, I hated losing that rush to the to the top or bottom, which is kind of annoying. Um, what would what would you say that Spire? What do you, out of these five maps, like what do you think maybe would if they were to be like, let's say all five of these maps were brought back for like Metroid Prime Four multiplayer or something like that. Which one of these do you think would need the most like remaking? Like has it some problems needs to be fixed? Like could be done in a different way rather than just like a one to one port. Are we bringing characters not from this game? Because if we do that, they don't have alt forms that we know of. So that does alt. Let's say let's say it's the the same characters that are in Hunters. Or like OCs. Um. So we're we're remaking the game. Uh. I, I love fuel stack that again you can noxus judicator freeze someone to heaven you know mm -hmm. they just get the SD and minus one I think that would be the highest learning curve map and I think a lot you know if if Metroid's trying to come back after this dread momentum you got a lot of new players I think it is interesting you'd probably have to think about like all these kids getting on fuel stack and not understanding the physics and just mass yeah. SD murder <laughs> over, and over, and over I mean to the point that even noxus inspire, can easily sd because if you if you use your alt form attack for those two they dip down like all the gravity is gone for those two so there's so mm. many ways you can mess up on fuel stack that's the i think that's the target that's the one they're looking at and they're like okay because i i think honestly a weapon a, a map like stasis bunker you could put that in golden eye or halo you know there yeah it, it, it's got enough metroid dna but it's also it doesn't have any necessary alt form routes so you could slap that into another fps and it'd still be super fun okay mm -hmm. I, I agree with that i think the same of compression chamber as well actually um Doom, what do you think any any thoughts on that yeah pretty much agree um re uh, remake stasis bunker <laughs> i would i would go with maybe remaking video gateway and kind of giving it a bit more depth like maybe some more cover um just a bit more than just being like a huge open like shoot through the middle and get body from wherever you are kind of map um yeah definitely probably my least favorite of these five maps so i would i'd probably go with like a full re maybe not a full remake but like just something to set it apart from like the single player version because this is essentially structurally pretty much the same which is which is oh, go ahead i was just gonna say honestly i would probably i don't know if this is a hot take or not i would probably i wouldn't cut all of the gateway map. I mean, there's no way we're cutting Alanos gateway, but like, I feel like I would cut most of the gateways from the multiplayer roster. Personally, they they kind of feel like filler maps to me. Hmm. Yeah. But no, Al Alanos gateway is goaded though. We we can't get Alanos gateway is dope. It just so happens to be dope. Spire, you're about to say yeah. something. Oh, I mean, it's one of the only two maps with lava, so I I love those ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, that's the thing about hunters is that like every map is like pulled from the single player campaign like almost like one to one well i think i think it's the opposite i feel like i feel like the multiplayer maps are incorporated into the single player i feel like that's what they were going because because again like you know first hunt like all of those multiplayer maps are reused in both the multiplayer and the single player as well but they first appear as multiplayer that's I, well i guess that's true but in the nature of the game though some of those maps you can't play on until you play them in the campaign until you've gotten that is true yeah so i think it's like a chicken or the egg kind of situation like they made maps and maybe they turned them into like the campaign or they made the campaign and they're like well we made this big square like it works as a map let's just take it out you know maybe not entirely sure which came first but i think that's kind of the novelty of hunters because so many maps in the game are taken like 
straight from the campaign. Like, obviously, you play, like, other games like Halo and all that stuff. Like, a lot of the maps are very clearly based on instances from the campaign, but aren't as one-to-one taken. You know, like, they have their, you know, they they take the theme, they take the aesthetics, they take some structural motifs, but otherwise they kind of make it its own thing. Whereas Hunters is just, like, copy-paste. Just drop that in there and boom, boom, bam. And I think that's kind of the novelty of it. So, if, as much as I would kind of want some of these remakes, I don't has... know if I want them entirely. I was gonna say I think Hunters only has two original multiplayer maps that ha- are not like um, referenced in the single player at all, because you got yeah. Harvester and then yep. there's another map I can't remember, but it uses that same video multiplayer theme when you're escaping the fuel stack. And I uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. I was waiting huh? for that drop. I was like, I'm gonna let Doom do that. I love that the only multiplayer song in the campaign is in fuel stack. So mm-hmm. which right, <laughs> I love I love the video multiplayer music because it starts with that. And that's I, I just love that. It gets me, it gets me pumped to play. So. I love all the multiplayer music in this game. Oh yeah, Hunters has an underrated soundtrack. It really does, and it's like one of those things where oh, it was on the DS. It doesn't, you know, same thing that kind of Fusion has, where like people don't appreciate it because of the hardware it's on, which I think kind of does the the both game soundtracks kind of a disservice. Hunters has a lot of good stuff, and obviously as Hunters fans, I, I mean, I have the main menu theme burned into my brain. Um, but there's so many good aspects of this, of this soundtrack and they come out here at VDO in spades. Yeah. Oh, completely. No, I, I love the, the prime hunter soundtrack. I, I would hope, you know, we're talking about bringing the characters back and the maps back. Imagine doing a few callback songs in a future Metroid game. Oh my God. Give me, give me a Kenji Yamamoto composed guardians theme, please. I would. Yeah. <laughs> well, when when Psycho Bits appeared in Smash Four and Ultimate, yeah, that was awesome. That was so that it's is actually cool. so. I actually used to not be a fan of the Psycho Bits Bits theme. I was just like, eh, this is a bit leaning too much into the rock era. This isn't really like I, I'm a metalhead. I love metal. You can even probably see my Megadeth poster in the back. You like metal? I did not know that. Well, no, but like, but usually <laughs> I'm generally not a fan of when Metroid like sounds too much like you know real life genres I, I like metroid better typically you know when it's trying to meld the atmosphere and the and the environments and the creatures together into its own unique soundscape but when they brought that over into smash you know they used a lot higher quality samples and there was just something about that that i started appreciating that theme a lot more than i initially did when it was on the ds hmm. i'll have to go back and re-listen to that or maybe set it on my my setup to play now that you have more control over songs and ultimate um Aspire, any other multiplayer takeaways or, or tips and tricks or anything, you know, as, as a competitive Hunters player on, on the maps here in video? I love hearing your guys' insights so far because it's it's true for a lot of it. Compression chamber, it's got those little, like, morph ball holes in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you have to travel that way. And that's just a natural choke point. Like, for Spire, the Magmal has such an active hitbox at short mid-range. You are just lobbing so many Magmal shots between those. Yeah. You're just doing so much damage because so much of the fight happens on that lower floor. There's two health orbs, so you can just start firing in both directions and nab a lot of KOs that way. I mean, you, you talked, you know, Doom talked about the inspiration from Quake, and that's such a good inspiration to have. Like that fast action, your 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 mind is getting better at locating these items. And so then now you're understanding like where players are wanting to go each time. And so in this case, as a Spire player, I'm wanting to capitalize on that mid-range and compression chamber is perfect. Yeah, I I love the Quake influence that Hunters very clearly has. And it makes sense, you know, like mid-early 2000s, like 
arena FPS, like was still a hot off the trail of what Doom had done in the nineties or I'm sorry, what Quake had done in the nineties. So like, um, I looked at Doom and I immediately thought <laughs> Doom instead of Quake. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. And even like, it comes down to like, even the map design, you know, obviously feels very, you know, Quake, like Halo, like arena FPS, like right down to the, you know, the nitty gritty. So yeah, I, I love that. Like kind of like thinking like as a player, like competitively, you know, map control and maps like uh you know compression chamber and and stasis bunker like those are maps that like are so contingent on that and having that you know that game awareness and control over multiple parts of a map from a single point which is so crucial well and you you guys i've seen the discussion lately about you guys making lists about value you, you know your most dis- like valued metro games based on replayability and i was like well if it's competitive you just i just love improving at this game so yeah for sure it's like speed butters, so yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. That 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 again is why I want multiplayer to come back to Metroid. It gives you that that replayability, just like speed running does, or even some like boss rush mode. You know, gives you another way to jump into the game and optimize and get better and all that, which is really cool. Um, yeah, and I talked about it on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. like you know, there's so much stuff that Hunters does that I don't. I feel like people take for granted now because like a lot of this stuff wasn't mainstream. Like I've talked about it, about it before, like. Like, if you think about it, Hunters was like, I don't, I don't know if it was the first, probably not, but I feel like it was one of the first, you know, multiplayer shooters to like really incorporate these um kind of hero mechanics and special abilities, and like mm. that really wasn't a thing in 2006 for the most part, you know, when this game came out. But now, I mean, you know, you have like Overwatch, um, you have uh, Call of Duty in some entries, that Apex, have this. Valorant, like yeah, he- Apex, hero yeah. like character based hero shooters are so TF2. huge now tf2 was like kind of the proto game for that even after yeah. hunters you know so like yeah no you're 100 right like that's one of the earliest adopters of that when everyone like was so much about like even starts like you come into the same thing as everyone else and and hunters kind of flipped that and was like no like you're very much specifically picking for the character and that play style and that's going to affect how you go into it. but you can also use the other weapons that the other you're just not to the same efficiency well, which was well, a nice a spin on of, it well- little bit of both because you do have that kind of arena shooter kind of that halo exactly where you yeah. do where you do start off on even footing but you know the power-ups are so easy to come across that like eventually like you start gaining your hero abilities like like pretty much right as you spawn mm-hmm. i love that i can pick noxus and my muscle memory of the magma transfers all i have to do is say okay i can't burn people though yeah so that's mm-hmm. like definitely that small switch but yeah no those little touches of like you can you don't have to be locked into what your character is good at but you're gonna there's gonna be drawbacks to that you know like you if you want to mac you know mix and match like oh i want to use this main weapon but i'm using this character that gives me a different alt form that's great but it's not gonna be as efficient as you know trace using you know annihilator whatever it is or um <clears throat> you know magma coming from spire or whatever right so um yeah like that's that that that's a nice little touch we're just kind of branching out into overall hunter's love here um uh, real quick i and, i sorry <laughs> no no go, i was gonna say i said no, annihilator no, but i meant to, i meant imperialist but go ahead yeah no i you know what's cool i love okay first off when dread came out the revival group was all like this is awesome you know we we want to support metroid metroid's back we knew prime 4 was announced but here we go game after game hopefully it's not just that i love seeing all these new metroid fans come in and i especially love it when they i've had a few people like message me or they'll talk to me and they start getting a little more into hunters and then they start playing a little bit of multiplayer or just looking into and they're like 
like you guys just mentioned they're like there's so much detail this isn't a game with six other different palette swaps of samus they're all so unique and they play differently i was like oh yeah if you're gonna review hunters or play it play some multiplayer against bots play as these other characters it's mm-hmm. huge the game had native voice chat that you could use on the DS, and you can't do that in most Switch games today. <laughs> Dude, I would have, like, group meetings with, like, my clan or, like, the forums I was on on, like, a gateway map, like, through DS voice. Like, I'd hold it up to my face to talk to people. Like, that was, <laughs> like, sitting on my bed at night. Like, that was crazy way back then. Um, yeah, so many good times. Uh, Spire, definitely want to have you back on here for another Metroid Prime Hunters show. I feel like we could talk about Hunters for an entire day's worth of content here and maybe we, maybe we just do that maybe we decide you know what we're gonna we're going to record uh 24 episodes worth of content <laughs> and we're just gonna sit here and talk about hunters for 24 hours straight and then that'll be 24 episodes worth like we'll have how many yeah. yeah instead of the 12 days of christmas it's gonna be the 12 days of hunters yeah i mean we'll be we'll be good to go we'll have you know what a sixth of the year covered or eighth of the year covered just on straight up like or even more than that actually my math is awful like th- th- two-thirds of the year or a third of the year covered with just talk about hunters i'm sure everyone would love that um spire any any last uh comments on the video here in hunters in terms of an area anything else we haven't covered or overall thoughts feelings anything you guys brought up a great detail i completely forgot about i'm so glad you did asap about that that shrapnel, the orbiting stuff outside that you could witness. Mm. And throughout this whole episode, it just, you know, makes me and sounds like you guys realize there's so much subtle detail they put into this. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love stuff like that. And it's almost in two Metroid Prime's formula. You can read the scan logs to learn everything, but outside of the scan logs, there's not a lot of hand holding. It's you're kind of using your your mind to put things together of why things are going that way. And I love that Hunters displays that too, in element to the Prime games. So Yeah. Well if you really well if you really think about it, like the first thing that you see in VDO, you know, is the you know, the frozen fuel like orbiting the station. But then the last room that you visit is one of those exploding uh fuel tanks that you have to shut down before uh more of that stuff gets released and uh, takes you with it. So mm-hmm a really cool uh really cool kind of roundabout through line there yeah I, I think like obviously the hunters campaign is is hit or miss for people and certainly has its its fall or downfalls and, and just kind of flaws but i think it really is kind of undersold as a metroid prime campaign where it does have like you were talking about doom earlier like really strong environmental storytelling and then if you want to go deeper you get into the scans and it has that more direct storytelling that is that's prime metroid prime through and through whether it's on the gamecube the wii or the ds or whatever it is so i think that's still a really good strong point of hunters even the campaign aspect that it it still captures that feeling that a metroid prime game brings sure the bosses are kind of repetitive okay fine but like it has that like you can get into it and you can script you know scratch the surface and still get like a story out of where you're going to or you can go deeper if you choose and you get that much more depth and value out of it, which is what we come to know as being a strong suit of the Metro Prime series in general. Well, I mean, the reason basically that we're doing this episode in general is because I had so much fun when I did replay this game over the summer. And I was like, man, I really want to talk about uh, one of these areas. Mm-hmm. Man, I just I, there's so much there's so much cool stuff in this game that I forgot about. And like and like I think we can like fairly acknowledge even, you know, you know, even Spire, you know, the biggest Metroid uh, Prime Hunter fan on the planet. I think we can all acknowledge the shortcomings of the campaign. 
you know, right. a lot of the reused assets, you know, the bosses and stuff like that. Some of the more, um, some of the more repetitive combat encounters. I think we can all acknowledge that and be honest about that. But still, I think appreciate what this game does right, and I feel like yep. those unique attributes, you know, along with that multiplayer player mode, I feel like is enough to make this game really stand on its own. I 100% agree. I, I took the words right out of my mouth, and I was going to ask you what your final thoughts were, but Doom, I think those were your those were solid final thoughts to, to round things out on this. Um, I 100% agree. I think there's still so much meat on the bone for Hunters, so I hope we revisit it um, soon instead of, you know, talking about our hopes and dreams for Metroid again for the we almost, 50th time. We almost time. revisit it. Almost. Yeah, why? What is what are you referring to? The uh, the uh, did you know gaming episode? Oh, the, uh, yeah. the, can- the Project Valkyrie cancel. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely the, gutted me. Some of the revival members were in that video. Like they had to get multiplayer footage, and we were like, "Dude, that's you!" Like last race. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Yeah, hearing that we could have gotten another hunters twice, and then instead we got Federation Force. That was that was. That sucked. <laughs> I really hated hearing that. That, I, that was, yeah. That was information I did not need. And I would have been happy going through life not knowing that. But alas, I think our time will, will shine again. And we'll definitely talk about, I mean, I would love to do another Hunters specific episode. Maybe diving, you know, more into Hunters in general, into the multiplayer in general. I would love to do a multiplayer episode with you, Spire. And I think we will. In fact, as one of the hosts of this show, I'm going to say that we are going to. So we will, we will have you back um, on the show. But I think that's it. We, we've been chatting about the VDO and Hunters in general for almost an hour and a half here. I think it's about time to wrap up and close our thoughts. We've definitely gone through, um, I mean, we went through all the major rooms. We went through enemies, bosses, the music, the general lore, the general vibes, how we feel about it. Like, you know, music, uh, multiplayer. I think we covered it all, guys. So I want to thank both of you for joining me on the show here. Of course, Doom glad to be running things here with you once again uh getting me you and andy on the show is almost uh it's like a, it's like a, a legend or myth at this point but occasionally, we occasionally occasionally the planets align and we we get it together um yeah i'm sure once like a once e3 comes we'll have to we'll have to make it happen at the very least by that so. well i was gonna say it'll definitely happen before that that's six months from now <laughs> um yeah i mean it's my schedule obviously was busy towards the end of the year andy's been busy um but hey that's what we're, we hold it down we make it happen week in and i'm, I'm week still out. busy i don't know how i'm well right now i'm on breaks but like yeah i don't know how i was able to be on the podcast as much as i was like during which, the last which i months. appreciate which i appreciate because you you've helped me out quite a bit um and then spire of course thank you so much for joining us on the show is a pleasure um you know you're extremely active in the community and one of our you know favorite uh, community members and people to have around so we appreciate you being a fan of the show and now part of the show um any any final words or shout outs for you yeah um I mean, shout outs to the the MPH active players community. When I got back, I got back into playing online in 2020. And when I found out that some of these guys never left once Wi-Fi shut down, they did the, you know, <laughs> the, the other, other methods to play online. Right. I was amazed at the dedication. Mm-hmm. And as a competitor, I love trying to keep up with them. And then also I'd like to give a shout out to the Woods Pokemon Draft League. There is a lot of growing Metroid fans there. We, we play competitive Pokemon, but be just like when i play smash they'll be like spire metroid i go yeah and then you just start talking <laughs> about metroid and just keep growing that community so nice yeah glad to hear that and yeah we're glad that the hunters community is still going strong even to this day in 2023 
which is crazy to say 17 years later, whatever it's been. Um, I, that's all I've got. At least I don't have any big shout outs. Um, I was at let's make big moves, a big smash tournament this past weekend, which was a lot of fun. So shouts to everyone I saw there. It was great seeing everybody. It was a lot of fun. And of course my boy tweak holding it down for tri-state champion for ultimate. Um, that's all I've got. So I think it's time to wrap things up. Thank you both for joining me and thank you all for tuning in. It's another episode here of the Omega Metroid podcast. You can follow myself at Daxity underscore. We have Doom at at Doom and Cross. And then we have Spire here at at Spire underscore fan. That's correct. Cool. Awesome. You can check us out at Omega Metroid pod on Twitter and check us out here on YouTube, which, you know, you might be following or watching this episode right now there. Of course, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms. I'm sure you're already aware because you're listening to this Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, whatever it is, you can find us. And of course, OmegaMetroid.com. We have new episodes, new articles, news, fan little teasers and bites. We jump into, you know, reviews of, of Metroidvanias. We have a bunch of awesome people contributing to the site, so be sure to check that out. We have a Patreon where if you want to hear more of Andy and him talk about random movies nobody likes, you can totally check that out. Um, and if you want to, uh, or he also does really cool ROM hacks. So actually, that's why I, that's obviously Andy, if you're listening. I'm I'm on your side on this one. I like the ROM hack reviews. Is all I'll say. But um, no, the, we have a merch store now. We have a merch store. Give us yes. Money. Everything. Well, aside, you know, everything that Andy's doing on the Patreon has been great. We have a merch store now. You can get some merch. But I think that's about it. So thank you all for tuning in to the Omega Metroid Podcast, the best and only weekly Metroid podcast out there. Be sure to let us know in the comments, in Discord. Join us on Discord. Hang out with some other Metroid fans. Otherwise, have a great day, night, morning, afternoon, weekday, weekend, week, wherever you are listening to this. Thank you for tuning in. We really much appreciate you all. And we will see you next time for the next episode of the Omega Metroid Podcast. Have a good one.